Welcome, weary traveler. Come inside and rest your aching bones, for you are now in the seance room. I've decided that after recording other people's fictional ghost stories for the last three years, I should probably share with you one of my own true accounts of a haunting. One of many, I might add. I hope you enjoy. In the Seance Room presents My Own Hauntings by Mark Wall Read by the author My wonderful and sorely missed grandmother lived in a lovely big house on the outskirts of Sandridge, a quaint little village, the epitome of English countryside, with its one shop, three pubs, and a beautiful 12th century church called St. Leonard's. And every member of my family, including myself, was baptised here. And my parents married here. My brother and sister were confirmed here. My grandmother was Sunday school teacher for the church, also church warden, fundraiser for the church, also fundraiser for Christian Aid and the Leukemia Research Fund. Dutifully and lovingly, she assisted with Sunday services, Evensong, Easter celebrations, all church events on the Christian calendar, come rain or shine, in sickness and in health, she was there. And why she was never given a recognition for this tireless work, I've never known. She was the matriarch of our family, undoubtedly. Her greatest love and her greatest treasure was us, her family. And we all loved her as much in return. We were, at the time of this story, a big family. Sadly, in recent years, since her passing, my siblings and I have become estranged from my uncles and cousins through no fault of our own. There is a malevolent element to one of my uncles, coated heavily with greed, pride and jealousy, which has forced my brother, sister and myself to the wasteland of what was once a happy extended family. But that story is for another time. My grandmother also looked after my great-grandmother, who lived with her in that big house. My great-grandmother was of that beautifully antiquated Edwardian era where a woman's place was in the home. There was to be no swearing, no back-chat. Children were meant to be seen and not heard. On Sunday mornings, she could be found in front of the mirror in the kitchen, lipstick at the ready, dressed in her finest dress for church, with an imposing rose perfume permeating the hubbub of us children as we all met back at my grandmother's after church for Sunday lunch, which she single-handedly cooked for 13 of us. And my great-grandmother was lucky to live into a great age. However, with the gift of longevity came the unmistakable signs of dementia. It crept in slowly, and I know it caused my grandmother great emotional stress to see her mother slowly fading in front of her. Along with the obvious curse of mental decline, my great-grandmother's eyesight began to fail rapidly. Where before, she had regally sat on her own chair in the living room, never to be sat on by anyone else but her, watching her television programmes, she was finally and ultimately resigned to the confines of her bed, listening to hearing books for the blind. 
Her sprawling bedroom was immediately above the living room, which was the hub of the house. There would always be a cousin, sibling, aunt or uncle there spending time. Back in those days, it was always a lively home and a truly happy place to be. Now, due to her poor eyesight and ever-diminishing mobility, my great-grandmother would, when one of her storybook cassettes needed changing, would bang on the floor with her walking stick. This would alert the people below in the living room that Nanny Doris, as we called her, needed her tape changing or some other request. Three loud bangs would summon, usually my grandmother, to go upstairs and attend to her. Occasionally, my grandmother would have to leave the house to do errands for the church or some other charity, and would leave whoever happened to be visiting in charge of looking after Nanny Doris. My uncle, who lived with my grandmother too, would most often be the one to go and help. But when he was at work, and one of us children would hear those three loud bangs on the ceiling, we would all freeze in horror and immediately claim our spoken asylum from the cause. I can understand our reticence now that I'm an adult, and have had the heartbreaking duty to look after both my mother and father as they slowly slipped away. But as a child, the thought of having to go up the haunted stairs, another story there to be told, and knock on the door of Nanny Doris's room and wait for the feeble voice to permit entry, gingerly peer around the door and timidly walk into that large bedroom festooned with ornaments of a bygone era, ornaments of all sizes, colours and shapes, black and white photographs of long-since-departed relatives, and that smell of rose perfume, upon which, having to endure looking down to the tragic and pathetic figure lying in the bed, would petrify us. I can still remember the tremors vibrating through my skin on those few occasions on which I had to perform these acts of mercy for her. Over the months, her condition continued to worsen. It breaks my heart to recall and recount that she began to mess herself. I can imagine this caused her a huge amount of distress because at the beginning of this deterioration, she did not tell anyone other than my grandmother. But when my grandmother wasn't there to assist her, there would be times that she would make her way to the bathroom by herself. And as I have mentioned, her mobility was incredibly staggered by now, and she would have to shuffle her feet in small movements just to be able to make her way the six or seven feet from her bedroom to the bathroom. And many times I would be making my way up the stairs to use the bathroom myself, but would hear the shuffling feet along the landing and would immediately return downstairs away from this occasional obstacle of freeing my bladder, as children can be, now I know it just to be our way of deflecting our inner fear at a dying relative living in such close proximity, we would, out of adult sight, make fun of that shuffle of her feet, or the three loud bangs, or the quiet, strained voice desperately calling to my grandmother after she had soiled herself. Our mocking amused us wickedly. Sadly and unavoidably, she was finally taken to hospital to await the inevitable. I visited with my brother, sister and our parents, and we remember that she slept mostly while we were there, occasionally waking to thank us for being with her. My grandmother, 
kept vigil at Nanny Doris's bedside, reassuring her and being the beautiful soul and devoted daughter that she was. Some days later, my parents suggested to take us for a visit before visiting hours were over. It was evening, and I had determined myself to stay behind and watch a film by myself, and so convinced my parents that I would stay home. With hindsight, I was probably avoiding the visit altogether. I'd never seen a person slipping away from life before, and it still cracks to this day at my imagination in those small hours of the morning when I occasionally wake up before daybreak. But having the house to myself was always a treat. Even though I had always known my home was haunted, and I have already started deeply penning these tales to be told at a later date, but to have the solitude and freedom of the house to myself disappeared all thoughts of being alone. The evening had grown dark, and my family had been away for some time, which I found curious, but with a belly full of biscuits, I went into the living room to decide which James Bond film I would watch. I sat in front of that old giant box television with my collection of videos, and anyone who truly knows me knows my almost cultish love of all things James Bond. Attempting to decide whether it was to be Moonraker or Goldfinger, and lost in my own childish imagination of these adventures, there were, above me, suddenly, three loud bangs on the ceiling. Quite obviously, I jumped. I sprinted through my mind all potential conclusion as to what it might be, as the room above was my parents' bedroom, which had been the scene of many strange occurrences too. I steeled myself to investigate. If something had fallen over, I would want to be the first to tell my mother. But upon searching the room, it was plain that nothing apparent had caused the sound that had so frightened me moments earlier. Happy that nothing had fallen or broken, I determined to go downstairs and enjoy the rest of my evening by myself. However, upon slowly descending the stairs, the most wondrous permeation of rose scent filled my senses. It stopped me completely in my tracks, mid-stair, my nostrils trying desperately in vain to find the source of the perfume. Thinking it just a scent on a breeze coming from the open window on the landing, I returned to my sitting place in front of the television. Moonraker was the winner of the Bond deliberation, and I slipped the VHS out of its cardboard sleeve, when suddenly, in my left periphery, a shadow was beside me. I looked up at the reflection on the blank television screen. A black silhouette was standing just behind me. I jumped and turned immediately to be greeted by nothing more than an empty living room and the silence of the evening. With the speed of lightning, I turned on the television so as to prevent seeing any further unannounced reflection in its screen. I placed the tape in the mouth of the VHS player and, as I watched it disappear into the machine, behind me were several deliberate, distinct noises as of the slow shuffling of slippered feet upon the carpet. I turned the volume up on the TV to drown out any other extraneous noise other than the film's soundtrack. I ran around the house turning every single light on in order to chase any shadows away from my surroundings. An hour passed by without event. 
Bond was killing the baddies, saving the world, kissing girls, and I was munching happily on a tower of toast. Shortly after 11.30, my family returned. I greeted them with smiles, as always, but their demeanour seemed quite grave and subdued. My father pulled me to him in his strong embrace and gently told me that Nanny Doris had passed away peacefully just before 10.30. I realised, then and there, that she had come to let me know that she was going. In the seance room presents My Own Hauntings by Mark Wall, read by the author. Please visit intheseanceroom.com for more stories or to leave your comments or suggestions for further tales that you would like to hear. Or even if you have your own story of your own haunting that you would like to be told. Until next time, weary traveller, sleep well.